And I see that business as an opportunity to, to build people, to build leaders is truly become my mission there. I mean, we almost even say sometimes that we're a leadership development organization that happens to do landscaping. Wow. We're just like constantly talking about it with our leadership team. We do these lessons every week. It gives us that platform to just talk about it constantly to learn about feedback and how to structure conversations and how to believe the best of people and, and inspire them. And Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. I've had the privilege of getting to know Luke Henry and his amazing wife and their family over the last, well, mostly him and his wife, but um, spent a little bit of time with his kids too uh, recently. I met Luke through GoBundance, as many of the guests on this show, um, that's how it happens. But I've just really been intrigued with Luke because his story is just so inspiring and like me kind of has a background in a, in, in what we would call, you know, a boring business and has just kind of, I mean, become the mayor of his city pretty much. Like, I know that's like a stretch, but at the end of the day, like this guy owns, I think half, half of his city. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to dig into it, see what motivates this guy and, and just really have a great conversation about life. And again, just what motivates us in business. So Luke, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure, Mike. How, how does it feel when I say you're the mayor of your city? Well, first of all, uh, I've, I've agreed with my wife that she'll go along with me doing a lot of things, but being in politics is not one of them. So we've agreed to achieve uh, our contributions to the world in, uh, through the means of small business and not politics. So I would I would steer clear of that title. And uh, <laughs> but 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 other than that, you know, we are passionate about what's going on in our hometown for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because one of my greatest mentors, his name's Barry Lipperelli, Um, and he's from the town that I was from. And I can't tell you how many times he told me, he said, listen, whatever you do, just steer clear of the politicians or uh, the politics, not the politicians. Um, and he said, you know, let, let these other guys do that. And he just would always point back to multiple different people that were successful in business. And then they get wrapped up in politics and start losing sight of their business, start losing sight of, and I, you know, listen, I'm not for or against politics, but um, I, I kind of get it. Yeah, I think that there's a worldview, you know, some people believe that the challenges in society can be solved with, with government and with, you know, some of those programs. And some of us believe that a lot of those same challenges can be fixed through other means, you know, with small business and with generosity through nonprofits and some of the work that they're doing and and all of that. And so I think that, you know, all are necessary, but, uh, but yeah, that I like to stay in my lane. Yeah. It, and I, I agree at the end of the day too, like, um, you know, Kara always kind of said that 
with me too. It's, I think it just adds a whole other layer of complexity. So, but anyway, you do have, and we'll, we'll unpack some of this, but um, I'm just really impressed by uh, the reason why I called you the mayor is because, I mean, you guys are just huge in like turning around, um, you know, your entire downtown and, and I'm sure you're not the only ones that are doing it, but at the end of the day, you see a big difference. Almost every city that you go into that has a thriving downtown or a thriving economic center, whatever it is, there's usually one or two or three people that really spearheaded that. And so anytime I hear um, people doing what you're doing, it just, it, it gets me kind of excited. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I do think that anytime there's any initiative that you see that's doing good in a community or good in the world, it, it all ha- it all was started by someone. Mm-hmm. And so it, it takes someone with that vision and sometimes some boldness to step out and say, we don't believe that where we're at is the best that we can do. And that there's something out on the horizon that we believe if we strive for that we're capable of achieving. And so, you know, that's really been part of our journey. You know, same guy, um, we, we'll get into the questions here in a second, but the same guy actually told me at one point in time too, when I first started my business and I didn't understand him, I didn't understand really what he was saying, but he was just talking about entrepreneurship and, you know, you're doing such a good thing, like providing jobs and making an impact in the community and all this money goes back into the community. And man, I was so naive at that point in time. I was excited about my business, but I didn't really, I didn't really understand the impact of what you're talking about right now. Like just the difference we can make. And um, I know off camera, you were talking about how you listened to the show and maybe you heard this episode, but when we were in Mexico City, um, I don't know, six weeks back or whatever, there, we've got a driver there. We've been there a couple of times and this driver, man, he just wants to have his own vehicle because he mm-hmm. like he has to lease a vehicle from another guy that owns like 10 cars and he's out doing the driving and and um, the whole time we're talking to him, he's, he, he just wants to be able to buy his own car. He's like, it would be, it would just change my entire business. And man, Karen and I were talking about this recently. I really just want to get to a point where we can just buy this guy a car. Um, and I've actually been sharing this story a couple of times. And I was at a meeting last week and and one of the guys that I was talking to about this was like, dude, why don't you just divide the number by 10? How much is it? The car that he wants somewhere between 25 and 30,000 for a suburban used suburban. He's like, why don't you just divide the number by 10 and have 10 of us go in on it and, you know, pitch in 2,500 to $3,000 and, and let's go buy this guy a car. And it has really just driven down the point of, uh, on just even a micro level of what you're talking about, the impact that we can make, because if we can just by getting his own car, I mean, it could literally change the trajectory of this guy's life. And yet he's an entrepreneur, he's a business owner, and and this is what you're doing in your community. So I, I just commend you. Yeah. Hey, I'm in, man. I'll uh, I'll buy a share of the, the car. Uh, that reminds me of a story. This had nothing to do with business, but a, a fun story just to kind of like put a fine point on what you're saying that several years ago, uh, my wife and I went with some friends and a church group to Haiti. And we... Um, worked on a church there. We got to see the area. We went to some some tent cities. We went to some some areas out in, you know, kind of the fringes. And man, we were so moved by the people there and the joy that they have, even in the meagerness of their situation. But in talking and getting to know some of the local folks, they said, man, you know what would really change our life is if we had a school bus. Because if we had a school bus, we could use it to generate income. We could take 
people from place to place because you know most people don't have their own cars there so they pay like taxis or buses and so he said we could fund a school we could fund the these ministries and things that we're doing if we just had a bus we could earn income we could use it for for hauling kids around we could use it for all these different things and we're like we're going to go back to the states and we're going to get a bus and we're going to send it to you he was like yeah yeah you know whatever so we got back and a group of us got together and we found a, a bus, a used school bus, and we bought it. And one of the guys, he's like, uh, he was a heavy equipment operator. He knew all this stuff. I mean, he got in and like made sure everything was good and got all tuned up and everything. And then we launched this whole campaign where we got things that they needed for the school and for different people that we had met. And we packed the bus full of stuff because we had to ship it via a uh, a boat and so it was the same price whether it was empty or whether it was full so we like stuffed it full of stuff and we shipped this bus to haiti and when we got a picture of them like unloading the bus and like taking their first load of passengers man it it was the greatest feeling in the world you know that's like some of the funnest stuff that we can do is what we're doing for other people yeah so so good man well, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, that's uh, the first on the podcast here yeah. talking about just uh, buying a bus and shipping it to another country. It's great. No, I, I love it. Yeah. What a great story. And, you know, one of my, one of my greatest mentors who's also become just a dear friend, it's Chris Harder. And he always says, you know, when good people um, make good money, they can do great things. And Absolutely. I, I think we just underestimate, you know, all of that. So I think that all spawned from, you know, being entrepreneurs and the impact we make and also not being politicians. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. investing for freedom too. I mean, you know, I think that that means different things to different people, but you know, when we have the freedom to be able to, you know, not only like live differently, but give differently and like, just kind of be outrageous in what we're able to do for our ourselves, our families and for others. That's, and that's like, that's what you're out here, you know, doing is yeah. and trying to, to help people achieve that. So yeah. it's awesome. So good. Well, Luke, who's had the greatest impact on your life? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about, you know, kind of one of your early mentors, like back way back in the day. And, and that's really where my mind goes to is my first boss. His name was Howard. And my first, my, my first ever job, I've only had like two W2 jobs in my whole life. Uh, but my first one was, uh, my very first job in my hometown was at a small independent pharmacy. And I don't even know how I got this job, to be honest. I can't remember. Um, I think a, a, a friend maybe told me that they were hiring and I didn't know anything about it. But when I first started, I had three tasks. I had to refill the pop machines. I had to restock the adult diapers and make deliveries to people uh, of prescriptions and hospital beds and all this kind of stuff. But, um, I, I didn't know any of that. I was 16 years old. Howard was like the, the kind of the, the, the OG, uh, that, that, uh, was second generation pharmacist and had started this. And, but he saw something in me and took me under his wing and he would give me books. He would teach me about, about leadership and life and, taught me about generosity and work ethic and just a love for for learning and a love for books. And uh, I just really think that that was pivotal for me. You know, in those teen years, I was just starting up my uh, my mowing business at the time. And, you know, having somebody that was an entrepreneur and, and was telling me about these things was, 
um, I just, you know, look back, I realized that was like so formative for me. And I think that it's also caused me today now to be able to look at people and see things in them that maybe they don't see in themselves and put them into roles that they're not qualified for and then believe in them, challenge them and like call them up to their potential because he did it for me. Uh, that's so good. Um, I, I like the little, you know, first started my little mowing business. So I want to, I want to come back to that here in a few minutes. So if you could narrow it down to one thing that's had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? I think that that is just a willingness to lean into uncomfortable and unknown conversations and situations. Uh, I have this saying that discomfort equals growth. You know, mm -hmm. discomfort is what directly leads to growth. And I just see, man, like so many people around that are held back by fear that's keeping them from pursuing what they're passionate about, or, um, you know, they can't overcome that fear that's between them and their desired future. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just believe that fortune favors the bold. And if we get out there and we do stuff and we try things and we get uncomfortable and we we fall down and we get up and we try again, like that's what truly makes us successful. And I mean that in the context of like working hard and just work, you know, working at something and staying gritty. But I also mean, I think in the context of like just being willing to learn and be a student and be a rookie and be not good at things in order to get better at them over time. So, you know, attending conferences and being part of a mastermind or, you know, listening to podcasts and reading books and all those sorts of things. Yeah. So good. Um, so going back to that little mowing uh, <laughs> company that you started, was there, was there like a moment uh, just talking about, you know, pushing through that, was there a moment where um, that happened for you and your landscaping company, or was this just kind of like an evolution where you just kept growing? Well, I think that it, it was sort of an evolution and um yeah, I mean, I guess to to give some some color to our to the conversation here for anybody that might be listening is just that I started mowing lawns like lots of, you know, 13, 14 year old kids do. And my first mowing job was for my great, great aunt and uncle. I got paid five bucks for two and a half hours worth of work. But I fell in love with, you know, being able to to be outside and hear the roar of the mower and just uh, get those five dollar bills in my hand week after week. And then I used that and I bought a, a, a mower at a garage sale, started getting some other clients and building this business just organically over time and uh, through junior high, through high school, through college, and then beyond. Um, you know, I was a pharmacist for just a couple of years. That's what I went to school for. I have a doctorate of pharmacy, but I only practiced for two years. And then I quit that job to keep being an entrepreneur and growing that business and then eventually starting other businesses. Uh, so it's been, man, it's been quite a journey. That's crazy. I don't think <laughs> I knew that. I don't think I knew you were a pharmacist. Yeah. I mean, I guess little known fact, yeah, it was just a kind of a blip on the radar, except for the, the six years and $200,000 I spent on <laughs> pharmacy school <laughs> to, to practice for just a couple of years. But uh, yeah, you know, it was, I, I learned a lot through that situation and, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it even though I don't really use that very much. I think I've still learned a lot about myself, about life and, you know, met some great people along the way. So, you know, if that's the way it is, then that's just, 
tuition paid in in life, right? So yeah. that's the way it goes. You know, I'm I'm curious on that, just because I think we're, you know, I come out of the trades. I was a plumber. Um, right. You're in a unique situation because you own a, you know, a, a pretty successful landscaping company and yeah, you've done a ton of other things too. But hearing that, that you went to, you went to school to be a pharmacist, which again, I don't think I knew that, but it's interesting. You're working in the drugstore. Howard was his name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Howard's your mentor. You mentioned the mower. Was there a pressure on you to go to school or did you just think that, um, was that just the natural um, progression? Well, I mean, you know, I was a 90s kid. And so that's what everybody had pressure to do, seemingly. And, um, you know, I think that somewhere along the way, maybe my, you know, my mom had said, hey, this this pharmacy deal, like, seems like a pretty good gig. You know, you could be good at that. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer because I was good at arguing. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but I went to like shadow one for a day in uh, high school or whatever. And I realized that you have to do like a ton of paperwork. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. That doesn't sound like any fun. But uh, but you know, being a pharmacist, I, I it probably was a lot because I got this job in the pharmacy and I'd worked there and I, I really did like it. I liked how you know they they got to serve people and they were really respected and really got to connect with people sometimes in a really tough time. You know, sometimes these people were coming from just getting a diagnosis, and the pharmacist was the first person they saw. Wow. Then they go went to to get pick up their medication, or sometimes they had just lost a loved one and they were bringing in their pills to get disposed of, or you know sometimes it was it, it, just that person that was in every month for their blood pressure meds or whatever. You got to know them really well, mm. and I, I really did like it. And it's it's a great profession. And honestly, if I if I uh, didn't have the other opportunities that I did, I may well have settled in and and done that although I, I don't know if i'd be content you know working for somebody my whole life but it was it was it was a great experience and i learned a lot about working with the public and and just having empathy and and leadership and and just things that you know if if you're always a student then you're always going to learn something that's going to serve you well in the next iteration of life mm. and so i look back on it that way i have kind of a two part question on that so uh, question the first part is like what what was the journey that you know going from pharmacist to launching your business or buying a business or however you got started and just talk to me a little bit about you know the challenges with that were you married already was it was it challenging i mean you went to school you're leaving this career that you paid all this money for um so yeah two two part i'll throw it back to you yeah, well, the 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 landscaping business kind of came first when I was in junior high and building it through high school. I worked, you know, as that uh, just pharmacy helper uh, stock boy through high school. And then while I was in pharmacy school, just kept growing the business. I mean, my mm. my week looked like I went to school. Um, I went away to school, but it was like an hour, hour and a half away from my home. And so I would be there like Monday through Thursday, and then I would usually in in the nicer months like skip class Thursday, Friday, and then would be off Saturday, Sunday. So I'd go home and work. I mean, I'd put in 40 hours in a week and then be back studying and working through all of the pharmacy stuff. So it was like always juggling that. 
Um, and so, you know, I was really fortunate, I think, that I was able to build that business organically over a lot of years in school and didn't have to worry about feeding a family. You know, I could, I was a college student. I mean, I could eat mac and cheese and ramen noodles or whatever. And, you know, it, it was fine. It was just me. I was doing okay. But I, I paid my way through pharmacy school that way in, uh, you know, working. And so it, it was, you know, it was great. Um, my wife and I got married while we were both still in college and that, that landscaping business was what allowed me to keep, uh, you know, keep some food on the table. And so it was, and looking back, it's, it's wild the way that some of that all went, but, um, you know, I, again, I feel like I was fortunate. I think it would have been a lot more difficult to start that you know, if I had a family and would have had to start at that point in my life. But, you know, I think really where the the big inflection point was, was after I'd been a pharmacist for a couple of years and, you know, my wife and I got married, she fully expected me to be a pharmacist. She was a kindergarten teacher. You know, we were going to have 2.5 kids, a white picket fence and everything was going to be great. And a couple of years in, I'm like working a full-time job as a pharmacist, running this business on the side. We'd started actually buying a few rental properties at that point. And she just was like, man, I don't know that this is what I signed up for. I, I think mm. something's got to give. And so uh, I actually found somebody to buy the landscaping business. I was going to transition it to another landscaping company. We had worked out a lot of the details. And I remember one day I was sitting in the Wendy's drive through and I thought, I can't do this. I've, I've, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm born to be a small business owner. This entrepreneurship thing is, is way more exciting to me. And even though it's a risk and it's not as much money, I think that this is what I need to do. So I called the, the other company up, said, I, I'm sorry, I can't sell my business. I went in the next week, quit my job as a pharmacist and said, I'm going to do landscaping full-time. I've never done it full-time. I've always been in high school, college, or working a full-time job. So what if I really give this a whirl? It, it could actually be um, something good. And I had the support of my wife. Took a pay cut for a while, but eventually was able to build it back up and replace that income and have never really looked back. Were, were you scared? <laughs> were you scared to tell her? Uh, any, <laughs> like, hey, I'm quitting, I'm quitting my pharmacy job and I'm, I'm going to keep the landscaping business. I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't... I think that I was scared. I don't think I was ever scared to tell my wife really yeah. and truly. I mean, you've met her. She yeah. is so long suffering. Uh, she has been through so many crazy experiences with me along this journey, but uh, she was always supportive, but it was like, Hey, you know, if you go this way, I'm with you. If you go this way, I'm with you. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was scared to make the leap, you know, cause again, just all through, growing up, it's like drilled in, you got to go to college, you got to get this steady job. And all through pharmacy school, everybody's like, just, you know, grit your teeth, get through all this stuff. And eventually you'll be making good money. You'll be a white collar professional and people respect you. It was the, it was the highest rated healthcare job at the time wow. above uh, doctors and nurses, even at the time. I don't know if it's still that way or not, but um, so it was like, man, that's, yeah, we've reached the pinnacle. And then I'm like, yeah, I think I'm just going to go over here and be a blue collar guy. And uh, I'm, I'll just do that. You know, 
I, I, I kind of want to dig in just a little further because I, I was speaking to the um, Emerge group yesterday and, and I get asked this a lot. Like when you, you know, when you left your job and you started your business, like how scary was it? And, you know, how many years did you spend penciling it out? And I'm like, none of that. Like, I just, I just knew what I needed to do and I just did it. And so I'm not a very methodical person, but also that was 20 years ago, you know, and, and I think as I've gotten older, I, I might be a little more methodical, but I'm still pretty just like, you know, jump in when, in fact, sometimes, you know, too fast. So um, back to the pharmacy thing, I'm just curious, were you battling? Maybe it was just like, I know I need to do this. And if it's, if that's the case, then that's good enough. But just for the audience that, you know, might be stuck in a career that they don't want to be in, or they're scared to make that leap or whatever, like, did you just know and you just did it? Or was there some... Um, was there some resistance in, in, uh, I mean, even just the identity of being a pharmacist, maybe you didn't care, mm-hmm. but like so many people are like, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a plumber. When I sold my business at, in 2014, like that's all I knew. I'm a plumber. I don't know what's next. And so I feel like people battle with some of that identity, especially when they're so ingrained in, in, you know, I mean, the question is always even like, what do you do? I'm a pharmacist. Like, so I'm just curious, did you battle any of that? Or was it just like, I know I need to go. I definitely battled some of that. I think I would have to think that most people do or most people would because you not only have adopted that identity, but also you have people that have that expectation of you, you know, people that know you in the community, people that are family members or friends. Again, I can't, uh, man, I can't tell you how many sideways looks I got when people are like, you know, oh, I haven't seen you at the pharmacy for a while. I was like, yeah, I I quit. I'm just doing landscaping now. And I mean, they literally like, look at me like, are you crazy? (laughs) Like literally crazy. And so there was definitely some of that, that I think that I bumped up against, but I I think I did just know, and I'm like you, I'm kind of a fire ready aim kind of guy where it's just like, nope, this is, I think this is what I need to do. And so I don't exactly know the how. I don't see all the stepping stones in front of me, but I see the vision out on the horizon. And and I want that. I believe that that's where I'm supposed to be going. And so I'm just going to take the next right step at a time, one at a time, one after the other, and believe that eventually I'm going to get there. And as I connect the dots backwards, I believe that I made the right decision. And I'm so, so happy. I mean, I think that the journey that it's taking me on not only through entrepreneurship and the, the opportunities it's afforded us to to travel and do things and then reinvest in our hometown, which we'll probably talk about as well, but it's it's made me the best version of myself mm-hmm. because I have just bumped up against so many things that have been uncomfortable and that I've had to grow through. And it's made me who I am today. I can't imagine that working in a pharmacy is is you know, fine of an experience as that would be, would have turned me into the the person that I am today, just because I wouldn't have had the challenges, I wouldn't have the growth opportunity. And um, so yeah. I, I don't, I don't regret it by any means. Yeah. What'd your mom say? Uh, you know, again, I think there was a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay, well, why, why would you do that? Um, but my my parents have been supportive as well through the years. I don't know that they've always understood uh, why I've done certain things, but I think that they've been supportive of 
of some of those uh, moves that we've made. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's always challenging. And I've talked to several people too that, you know, had a, a lot of guilt around this because their parents worked really hard to put them through school. It sounds like you put yourself through school, but um, I think a lot of people really have, I think this is a big deal for a lot of people making that transition. And man, it sounds like you just, you just did it. Yeah. Again, I mean, I was, I feel like I was fortunate. I had a a, a fairly viable business to go step over into. Mm-hmm. Not like I was going from, you know, six figure income to zero, but it was, it was still quite a leap at the time. And it, so, yeah, I mean, I encourage the person out there listening, you know, if you really see that vision of what your future can be, and it's just a matter of taking the leap to get over the fear of where you are today and where you want to go and make the leap. Yeah. You, know, you're, you, you only have one, one go at this. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, yeah, we're all, we all have the agency, fortunately, to be able to make decisions about what we're doing with our lives. So, you know, make the decision that takes you where you want to go. So what I'm hearing, if I had to sum up the key takeaway, it's if you don't love your job, buy a lawnmower. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's one route. It is a, uh, it is a low barrier to entry. There's a lot of guys out there doing it. And we've, we've learned it's a lot harder to do it at scale, Yeah. but uh, it's, it, you know, it is a gratifying business. You know, sure. I think that, uh, you know, I'm not too proud to, to have been a blue collar guy for a lot of years, but uh, got a lot of gratification on looking back over my shoulder at the work that I did and, you know, clients that were happy and stuff that I could be proud of and a team that, we could be proud of as well. And I mean, yeah, I think it's really, it's meaningful work. Yeah, no, I love it. What was your greatest setback and what'd you learn from it? Well, I think talking about the landscaping business again, there was a time um, just almost exactly five years ago that I acquired another landscaping company um, in another town. And we uh, pretty much doubled our business in one year. Uh, through that acquisition and through some other growth that we had at that same time. We inherited all their team members, took on their clients. We hired a few other kind of quote industry experts at that same time to help us manage, you know, this increased workload and everything. Those individuals turned out to be fairly toxic. And I really kind of lost the culture of the business. And I didn't like working there anymore. Uh, after a few months, after all this happened, things were just kind of going sideways and it wasn't a, the positive place that I had really worked to create through lots of years prior to that. And I knew that if I didn't like it, my team probably didn't like it either. It wasn't a lot of fun. So this kind of sent me through a, a, a rough patch. Again, a, a challenge, a time of challenge led me towards a season of growth and that Season of growth really helped me discover that this was my problem to fix Mm -hmm. as the leader, as the owner. And I truly, I'd heard about John Maxwell's law of the lid. So if you're familiar with the law of the lid, basically it says that the, the organization can never exceed the level of leadership of the, of the point leader. And so I realized that I realized that it was was my problem, but it was also my opportunity. And so I went on this whole leadership journey, started a leadership study with our team and something that we still do today. We've done it every week for five years. 
a mandatory one hour leadership study with all of our leadership and office team. And it's been an enormous investment of time and money to do that because I pay everybody to be there. But it's been something that's driven me to just completely reimagine my level of leadership and the way that I can lead our team and to build into them. So it was a it was a really tough season that that created a really great outcome and again made me a better person and led me to lead better to help our team get better as well. Wow, that's amazing, man. That's cool. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? I think some some version of basically that consistency trumps intensity. Mm. Consistency trumps intensity. So successful people do consistently what other people do just occasionally. Mm. So, you know, I think it's true in matters of health and character and sports and relationships and just all of those different pieces, you know, in sports, I'd rather have the guy that's steady and has a great work ethic, has a great attitude than the person that, you know, shows up and they're all over the place, but they occasionally hit a home run or hit a three-pointer, you know, and same in relationships, you know, I wouldn't want my spouse to be, uh, you know, faithful most of the time, <laughs> but not all the time. So uh, I think that consistency, man, in, in today's day and age, just our culture, like there's a lot of things that are accelerated, but typically matters of character and wisdom are not things that can be microwaved. Mm -hmm. It has to be done over time, learned over time, and just put to work over time. So, um, so yeah, consistency trumps intensity. I love it. So earlier in the conversation, we were talking about, you know, whether it was my driver in Mexico or, you know, Haiti. Um, I'd, I'd like to talk to you a little bit or like you to talk to us a little bit, I guess, about, um, you know, obviously in, in business and investing, you know, we're, we're doing what we do to provide a living, make money. There's nothing wrong with making money. I love capitalism. Um, everything we do is, you know, for freedom, but it seems to me just having talked to you, you know, quite a bit over the last, I don't know, six months or however long it's been, I feel like you have a bigger, you know, mission with your, um, you do a lot of downtown investing, revitalization. You put businesses in these buildings, um, some of them yours, some of them other people's businesses. I really want to kind of, kind of just go back to the thread of, you know, being an entrepreneur and having a bigger um, purpose. At least that's how I see it with you. And so I'd like I'd like for you to talk to maybe us as investors, business owners, um, people that want to be in investing like just kind of share with us your pulse and what kind of impact you think that that makes. And obviously you can share more about your business too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'll start a little bit again, just to kind of give some color. So you heard some about the, the way that built the landscaping business over time and have really been fortunately employ about a hundred people now. And um, it's been a real catalyst to some of the other things that we've been able to do. And I see that business as an opportunity to, to build people, to build leaders is truly become my mission there. I mean, we almost even say sometimes that we're a leadership development organization that happens to do landscaping. Wow. We're just like constantly talking about it with our leadership team. We do these lessons every week. It gives us that platform to just talk about it constantly, to learn about 
feedback and how to structure conversations and how to you know, believe the best in people and, and inspire them. And, and then we've passed that as well and done leadership studies with our field staff and really trying to model it first and foremost, but then also um, bring them lessons and tactical wisdom about how to lead. So many of us never have had any good modeling of what good leadership looks like. And so I think that every business owner out there, um, maybe even you know, executives that are working in, in other businesses, we we all have an opportunity to really make an impact through our leadership for sure, because there's a lot of crappy leaders out there and uh, there's an opportunity for us to, to lead better. But then beyond that, you know, uh, as you mentioned, we've started investing in our downtown. So we have a smaller community. We have a city of about 35,000 people. We had a downtown that's like so many others in the throughout the United States, all over the place. It's it's not even local to a certain area of the country that there's cities where for decades the downtowns have been left to rot and they've lost some imagination and, and lost the soul of their community. And so about five years ago we looked at that and said, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? And if we don't make some investment here and create a vision for what our community could be, who's going to do it? And so a, a partner and I, uh, his name's Alex, Alex and I bought up eight buildings on one block that was 70% vacant at the time. And we partnered up and called ourselves Main Street Reimagined. And we started fixing up buildings. And um, it's it's a longer story than what we have time for today. But you know, long story short, there's not a lot of people that wanted to just come into this blighted area, even though we were working on fixing it up and open a business there right at first. And so we had to make our own weather a little bit. And so we started a few businesses there and put key team members in place and helped stand them up and get them going. And that's what's helped to kind of start to drive the, the revitalization in our community. And then now it's grown to nearly 20 buildings and a vertically integrated construction management, property management, uh, and then these operating businesses. And it's been uh, quite a ride as well. I love it. Um, can you touch on, I, I, so I was on, I was on the planning commission and I was part of the chamber board, part of uh, downtown redevelopment in, in the city I came from. And there was some people that were trying and even investing, but there was like a lot of resistance and a lot of headwinds. Can you, for, for anybody that's listening that maybe, you know, wants to help in the downtown, can you give us some of the, I mean, obviously I bet there's been some headwinds, but also what are some of the ways that you've been able to, you know, get the city to rally around you if if you did even. Yeah, there's definitely some headwinds indeed. Um, I was so naively kind of went into this project believing that if if we built it, if we rebuilt it, if we rehabbed it, then they would come, meaning entrepreneurs and and people that wanted to bring restaurants or coffee shops or hair salons and that sort of thing. And that unfortunately did not happen. And what I learned was that there is 
actually beyond just fixing up buildings, there's a lot more to revitalization work in terms of you know building that community, creating the vision and articulating it effectively through marketing and public relations, politicking and starting businesses and all these other things that went into it. But we like to say that we operate at the intersection of purpose and profit. Mm. So there is, we are a for-profit business and we're unapologetic about that. Um, Now, those profits have not been (laughs) super, uh, super large, you know, as we've gotten this going. But over time, when you do the right things, you get the right results. But there are better, less risky things that we could do with capital. It's got to be patient capital in this Mm -hmm. case, and it's getting better, quicker, and better, you know, uh, more lucrative results as time goes on. But when you're really at also that intersection of purpose, then we can look at that greater mission of revitalizing, reinstilling pride in our community helping to build a place where people love to be, where people love to connect with other people, where entrepreneurs can have a chance Mm. to start a business. Most of our businesses that have started in in the buildings that we've revitalized are women and minority owned, which has been a, a fun part of it as well. And just getting to know people, seeing their visions come to life has been really, really meaningful. And so those are the types of things that in the early days of this, it was it was exceptionally challenging because we had the headwinds of, you know, no, a lot of people were excited about what we were doing, but they didn't understand what it would take. the The city didn't have a lot of vision that they were driving forward, so we were kind of uh, driving a lot of the um, initiatives that with with parking and with other pieces of what it takes to build a, a walkable, vibrant downtown and so um yeah it's again just a man another way for for me to step into discomfort and figure it out and and grow along the way both personally and with what i've learned about real estate construction and investing and working with banks and and financing and really doing pretty um complex real estate development projects that i didn't realize at at first it's it's a whole different ball game than flipping houses or or doing residential rentals, which is where I came from. Yeah. So, so good. Well, I got to say just, you know, having the privilege of getting to know you over the last six months has been awesome. Um, what, what does freedom mean to you? Like what, what, what drives you? Maybe, maybe you've said it already, but I'm just curious what, what keeps Luke, what keeps Luke engaged? Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about that, man. It's, uh, it's something that I continue to to wrestle with in terms of, you know, what is the right balance of doing things in such a way that I set myself up for some for some freedom, whether that's long term uh, financial freedom, whether that's freedom of time now or later. Um, also balancing that with teaching my children work ethic and making sure that they're set up to do anything but not to do nothing. I think that is a you know, Warren Buffettism, um, and just figuring out how I can bring purpose to profitable situations. To me, mm-hmm. that's where 
I really get energized because, you know, I like making money like the next guy, but I think that it's so shallow and hollow if that's really the only motivation. Mm. I've met a lot of guys that have a lot of money and, but they're not doing something they're really passionate about. And, and to me, I'm just like, man, that is, that's so sad because Mm -hmm. I just find so much fulfillment in the work that I get to do. And yes, I, I enjoy, you know, doing things and making a profit, but when you can look back, you know, what we're really doing is writing checks with our lives. Mm. And we want to write those to causes that matter. And that means investing in our teams, you know, building leaders, building community, building businesses. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, what, what could be more impactful than that? And then hopefully we can even take then kind of on the triple bottom line structure and say, I can also take money and I can go out and do good with it in other ways. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's what gives us a purpose and, and passion about life. Cool. I love it, man. Well, appreciate your time. I appreciate, uh, you know, just, I, we got into some good stuff today. So I appreciate your story and, and just really digging in deep. So, well, again, just, uh, can't thank you enough for being here. So if anybody wants to, you know, reach out and follow what you've got going on, where's the, where's the best place to find you? Uh, active on social media. Welcome to, uh, connect with me there. I'm on, uh, Facebook, uh, Luke Henry, LinkedIn, same Henry development group and main street reimagined, um, on social media, good way to kind of connect and follow along with what we're doing. So always, uh, love meeting good folks and happy to, uh, have a conversation. I've, I've met some great people that are doing other work or interested in such work in their communities. And I'm happy to compare notes and, and try to be a resource that way. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to many, many more conversations. Yeah. I appreciate you, Mike. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.